met with this young couple. It went awesome. And I committed them to, you know, fill out the application. They did it. They uploaded all their documents. I went through it. And then at that point, I was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. (laughs) (laughs) The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Welcome to ILMB Rookie Mortgage Broker Podcast. Every Friday, I talk to a rookie who's making waves in the industry to find out how they're succeeding in today's competitive market. Today on the show, I have Willie Hamilton. Willie is a new mortgage broker based out of Lethbridge, Alberta, and he's one of the brokers who is in our brokerage and going through our Rookie to Rockstar program. A couple quick things about Willie. First, he's been with us 147 days, and in that time, he's already closed alone. He's got five more closing next month, so he'll be at six. He's got six pre-approvals as well as he built a list of 300 people, an email list, and he has presented to 18 real estate agents. And of the 18 that he presented to, we teach him how to do all this, by the way, how to build the personal list, how to build the realtor list. Seven of the realtors have referred him business. At the end of this episode, I talked to Willie about how, and he's got two of them that have referred him four or five leads each. And I coach him on how to clone those best realtors. I give him a couple different strategies that he can use to get more opportunities from the couple of realtors that he's really been doing well with. He shares a file that he lost at the beginning of his career when he didn't really know what the next step in the process was, even though it sounded like it would have been a really good file. I love Willie, I love his energy, and he's going to be doing amazing things in this industry, as you will see in this conversation. So check it out. Before we jump into that, though, a couple quick things in the Ask the Expert segment. I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about tips on being successful with social media. And this whole episode is sponsored by Finmo, our amazing partner. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection platform. Really easy to use. Willie mentions it actually as one of the tools that he loves. Easy to use for the borrower, easy to use for us because as the borrower is filling out the application, it's automatically figuring out what documents you need. And then when you get the file, you can look at it. You can search Lender Spotlight, which has all the lender guidelines and rates. It's up to date. You can go in there and check out sort of where the file should go, what the rate and pricing would look like. And then before you hit submit, it says, hey, don't forget, you're going to lender, you know, ABC. These are the things you need to consider with ABC. And oh, it also pulls the notes from the file into the submission notes so that it makes it easy to communicate to the lender. The thing people don't realize, especially if you're maybe newer, is that if you were to go in and visit the different lenders, their portal looks dramatically different than what you see. So if you make it easy for them by giving them the high level points of the file, you're gonna get more approval. So check out finmo.ca and check out this episode. Hey Willie, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Yeah, so I'm from, I live in Lethbridge, Alberta, and I'm here with my fiance and our daughter. We're getting married in a month from today. And yeah, just trying to figure out the mortgage business. Right. That's exciting. And so how did you get into the mortgage business? Tell me about that. How did you end up here? Yeah. So I've always loved the real estate business growing up. I kind of would start my own companies, fixing people's window screens, painting houses, all those sorts of things. So I always loved real estate. And then, you know, I graduated from university and kind of jumped around to a bunch of different things. At one point I was in cooking school and then I started at an insurance job and then had a broker reach out to me about a year ago, a mortgage broker who had just too many leads. And he knew that I was licensed as a mortgage broker. And I just started meeting with these leads he had and just started to love it. So that's kind of how it all started for me. So you're working at an insurance 
office as an insurance broker. So why did you have a mortgage license? Because you don't need one to be a insurance guy, right? Yeah, no. So I originally started at this insurance company. I was hired to be their first mortgage broker. They were going to start doing mortgages at some point. So I started in their insurance business with the idea that I would eventually be their mortgage broker, but those plans fell through with them. So I had made a few contacts in the business and that's when my friend out of Calgary reached out and gave me the opportunity to start doing leads with him. So I started doing that part-time this past April. So just about a year ago. Okay. And then, so you've closed some mortgages with him. So why did you not stay? Just curious. Why did you not stay on that path? Like what was the thing that said, yeah, you were getting, you were getting fed. You were like a bird in a nest. Here's a worm. Here's another worm. Like tell me what happened there. Yeah. Most people would probably love that just being fed leads, but I quickly realized I was building his business and I was getting a lower commission split. And eventually when I realized that, Hey, this is something I want to do long-term on my own. I wanted to build my own business and, you know, own those leads myself. I was just building his business. So yeah, when I realized that I started looking around for information to figure out how to do that on my own. Right. Okay. So then when you decided to make the transition from being an insurance broker to mortgage broker, did you go part-time, full-time? How was that transition? It was part-time at first. The way it worked, all of these leads that I was being fed, they were people who signed up for an online first-time homebuyer webinar. So I would do consultations with the people who signed up. It was almost every day at lunch and every day at five, I would have one of these consultations and then I'd have three or four every Saturday. So eventually it just became too much to do both a full time and all of these leads. I was kind of doing both jobs mediocre, but there were just a few experiences that really made me believe I could do well with the mortgage industry. And I just loved it too. I was enjoying the work. Right. And then, okay. So then you actually left the insurance thing to do this online leads, correct? Or did you still keep working the insurance job? And then only when you decided to go completely independent, did you leave? Are you still at the insurance company? I guess. Yeah. I don't even know the answer to these questions. (laughs) Tell me, Willie. Yeah. So I did that from April until the end of October. I was doing both jobs. And then sometime in probably August, I started listening to this podcast actually, and signed up with the brokerage and went full-time. So I quit my insurance job and also quit my other mortgage job and started full-time at the brokerage as of November 1st. And went all in. Okay. So is there any point that you questioned, like, was this the right choice for me? Because okay, you went from an insurance job that was you know guaranteed paid, then you went from that to somebody feeding you leads, yep. lower split, but they were not your clients. And then you're like, now it's eat what you kill. Was there any point you're like, holy crap, what have I done? And you're getting married and have a daughter on top yeah, of it all. It's been a lot the past year for sure. I mean, I maybe wouldn't recommend doing all of this in one year, but there hasn't been like one big experience where I've questioned, you know, the whole decision that I've made. But I found just there's like the little voice in my head sometimes that's like, oh, don't make that phone call or like you're not ready to pitch to that realtor. There's just that little negative voice in my head that if I sit and listen to it for too long, I'll start to believe it. And then it leads to, oh, maybe I'm not fit for this industry. 
I've had to kind of work to overcome that. My grandpa, actually, he had this quote from a movie called The Music Man. It's a play. And he said, if you pile up enough tomorrows, you end up with a lot of empty yesterdays, Hmm. which I love. So it just kind of is like, just go for it. Make that phone call and see where it leads you. Right. And you've got traction now. You're starting to see the, okay, this is working. So we'll talk about that in a sec. But so I always love to learn about a file that you lost. And now looking back, you go, oh, I would have handled it differently. Because when you're new, you're going to lose files and it sucks. And anybody listening to this, if you haven't lost one yet, just wait. But there's lessons. So tell me a file that you lost and then what you do different knowing what you know now. Yeah. So when I started doing these first-time homebuyer consultations, I had my full you know, first conversation planned out, you know, what I was going to say, the whole thing. And I met with this young couple, it went awesome. And I committed them to, you know, fill out the application, they did it, they uploaded all their documents, I went through it. And then at that point, I was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. (laughs) (laughs) And it took me like, I was talking to my broker trainer, but I was this also- This is when you were still working for the lead company, right? Yeah, the lead company. I had my full-time insurance job. So it took me, like they uploaded, I pulled credit, did all of the stuff I was supposed to do, but it took me three or four days to actually get back to them. And then they had just lost trust in me. And it was kind of funny. The lady called me and had this conversation why she was going somewhere else. It was like a breakup call kind of. Right. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. I just need to see other people. Yeah. I heard that a lot when I was in high school. (laughs) It brings back trauma. Okay. So you've been through that. What would you do different? I mean, you didn't know what you didn't know, but looking now, how would you have handled it differently? Yeah. So just getting them to the next step. And at that point, I just didn't really know what the next step was. Right. And just reassuring them, you know, in the customer journey, we talk about customer journey with people a lot, but just kind of selling them on the next step, letting them know and over communicating rather than not saying anything. (laughs) Right. So I would just let them know, Hey, like I'm working on the deal. I need to talk with some people to figure it out. But right. Yeah. Check with my underwriter and I'll get yeah. back to you, whatever. Right. So you say yeah. something to them. At something. Least. Yeah. That's really good. Hey man, that happens. I mean, I've lost, <laughs> there's a hundred different ways. I think there's this show called a thousand ways to die in the West or something. It's kind of like a thousand one ways to lose a file. I've probably done maybe not all of them, but a lot of them at one point or other. So there's two distinct skills. you got a master's in new mortgage broker, new agent sales and underwriting, which one's harder for you? Yeah, for me, it's definitely been underwriting. Once I have the leads, you know, where they need to go, how to structure the deal so that a lender will approve it. That's been a huge learning curve for me. Right. So you're in the brokerage, you're in the 100 day challenge, going through the training. So for you, what's been the biggest sort of takeaway or that's helped you the most? For me, it's been the pitching to realtors, like how to gain a realtor's trust. So being able to talk with them, you know, gain confidence, you know, that we're going to be able to work together and that I actually will bring them value and help them in their business. And that when I'm meeting with them, I'm actually believing what I'm saying. I don't right. come off as like, you know, salesy in those moments. But, I yeah. got a car for you, that whole car sales <laughs> thing. So, okay. So tell me about right now, the business that you're working on, like, where did it come from? Did it come from realtors? Did it come from your network? Like your pipeline that you have right now? How did you fill that up? So it's a few different places. So, you know, part of the program is reaching out to my network, 
So I have a few deals just from letting people, you know, my friends know that I'm doing mortgages now. Mm -hmm. So that's probably two of the deals. And then the rest are from just realtor contacts. So I ended up pitching, I think, 18 realtors. Seven of those realtors have sent me deals, at least one, or they've sent me leads. Some of them have sent me multiple leads. So yeah, just working those relationships. Did you know those? Did you know all eighteen of those realtors before you started? No, no. A lot um, of them. It was through just calling friends that using I using your network to find the realtors, and then using those realtors to get. So seven of them have sent you leads, and of course, yep. like anything, sometimes you're going to get good and bad, and you sift and sort through them. And so that's really cool. So take me back to the first time that you pitched to a realtor, the way that we showed you. Yeah. How did it go? Were you freaked out? Like, did you flop? I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it was kind of funny. The realtor I pitched to, super nice guy, but he's not like very talkative or like bubbly or whatever you want yeah, to yeah. say. So he didn't say much the entire pitch. So I, I just felt like I was talking the entire time. And at the end of it, I was like, wow, that was horrible. But then the next day he sent me a lead. So I was like, okay, like, I guess it wasn't that bad. It was kind of awkward. But yeah, I think that was maybe just, well, you are just figuring it out. Right. And so yeah. the way I always describe it, it's kind of like, you know, realtors know if they want to get a listing, they don't just show up and say, Hey man, I'm pretty great. Let me sell your house. It's like, yeah. they have a plan. Like the good ones really have a plan. They show you how they're going to like get you top dollar. And, da, 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 da. and so this is essentially like, if you think of it this way, it's like a listing presentation, but instead of getting the listing, you're getting the referral relationship going. And so Exactly. Oh, that's cool. So even the one that was super awkward, you're like, oh man, that was terrible. And then he's like, here you go. You're like, cool. Like, yeah, I thought it went horrible, but I guess it wasn't right. too bad. But. That's funny. So that sounds great. So basically you presented to this person, obviously not live, you said you were on a call and then felt yep. awkward, still got a referral. So of the seven that are referring you, like how many leads are the ones that really like you? How many are they sending you? Or how many have they sent you so far? Yeah. So there's two that I feel like we've been doing more business than the other ones. So with those two, one of them sent me four and the other one has sent me five leads. And I guess one of the cool things that I've been able to do with three of the realtors, I've actually done their personal mortgages. So a refinance, I helped one buy a rental property. And then I helped one of the realtors, they're a young couple, buy their first home. The realtors that have the seven that have been referring you, are they like all brand new realtors? How experienced are they? I've had more luck with the younger realtors, the ones that are a little bit more hungry, out there hustling. And yeah, we're a little closer in, in age. In our yeah, and in our careers. So I've just had more success with them. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Awesome, man. So I'm excited to see what you continue to do with your business. I know that you've taken sort of the skills that you learned from the insurance business and now applying yeah. to the mortgages. And so I think it's going to be cool to see as you continue to get going. I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions. You can answer with the shorter answers. If you like, what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? I love spin classes. Really? Like do you yeah. do Peloton? They're group classes. So I go to okay. a studio, there's a disco ball. It's a party. <laughs> yeah. Like the whole thing. <laughs> That's awesome. You'd love it. <laughs> yeah. I like running. I got a Peloton treadmill, which I actually haven't used in a couple of weeks, but I'll get back on there. Nice. Uh, what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? I love dramas, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's a great movie. And what are three software programs or digital tools you can't run your business without? Finmo, Blue Mortgage, and DocuSign. Yeah, that's good. And then what's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? Go towards the hard things. The things that scare you, just deal with them. Make that phone call. 
just do it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And then knowing what you know now, is there anything you do differently if you were to start over again? Yeah, so I didn't start pitching realtors for a little while because I was calling through this insurance list that I had about a thousand clients. I wish I would have started pitching realtors a little sooner because that's where deals started coming in for me right away. I think I'll still get deals from the insurance list, but it's quicker just pitching with realtors I found. Yeah. And that's when you and I chatted, I was like, Hey, you might as well do it, but you're right. Those are longer term. That's like farming. And so, you know, it was a big list. You got through it. You have some opportunities, but they'll long-term it'll be beneficial. I have one deal from it. So it's panning out like the time I spent on it. I think it's still good. But compared to, and you built an email list of almost 300 people, right? So that's good. These are like ongoing, but compared to the same energy put into targeting the people who can refer more often, which is filters is definitely more effective. Here's a thought for you. So if you've got a couple of realtors that really like you, they've been sending you their business. What I would encourage you to do is you want to clone them. And so the way you clone them, the next time that you wow them or you've done their personal mortgage, they obviously trust you. That's a huge trust. Sometimes actually realtor mortgages are the worst because it's like, oh my gosh, you're a gong show and I don't actually want to work with you. But in any (laughs) case, if you've worked with them on their personal mortgage, that shows a high level of trust. So what I would say to them is say, hey, look, especially when they compliment you, really enjoy working with you. I like your business, how you run things. I'm curious though, like next time you go on vacation, who covers your listings? Mm. And they're going to tell you somebody and you say, okay, could you mind introducing me? Some realtors will be like, they don't want to. You could just say, hey, would you mind if I reach out and mention that we work together? It'll be the easiest layups you'll get because what will happen is, is if Sally really likes you and trusts you, you did Sally's mortgage, the realtor. And then when Sally goes on vacation, you know, Bob covers for her listings Bob is going to automatically trust you and it's just going to make it easier. So if I were you, what I would do in the next week is figure out a way to have that conversation, to bring that up and just, you know, casually say, Hey, do you have any vacation plans? Like you can kind of lead it, right? Kind of like, right. Hey, so you're going on a vacation anywhere? Da, da, da. Yeah, I know, man, it'd be great to travel now that there's you know restrictions and stuff. Where would you go? And then they're going to tell you and you can go, yeah. And then he just curious, like, what do you do with your listings when you go? They're going to be like, Oh, and so you can lead the whole thing down to this path of what you're trying to do is figure out, who is the person they trust because there's a mutual trust between you and them. There's going to be trust between them, each other on their listings. The other thing you could do. So the second thing is, is that these realtors in Lethbridge or in Calgary? Both. One is in Lethbridge. One is in Calgary. So you go to the one in Lethbridge and say, Hey, just curious. If you have a client buying in Calgary, who do you refer those clients to? Mm. Yeah. I like that. They don't do it. They're not going to go show a house in Calgary. Same thing with the guy in Calgary. Hey, if you ever get clients moved to Lethbridge, who do you use? Who do you refer to? Right. Now you've got three or four different ways. Those may be different people, by the way, the covering and the cross city thing. And now you've just cloned the ones that are the best. And that'll like of those four potential, if two of them become like two more, now you just doubled your good realtor count. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try that. Do that. Like, seriously, these are little like nuanced things. Sometimes people don't think about, right. But you've already know how to get them on the phone. You know how to convert them. You know how to do that whole thing, how to follow up. Now, you know how to actually find the really higher probability success rate. So that's awesome, brother. I'm excited to see what you continue to do. So Willie, thanks for chatting with me and keep crushing it, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on here. Hey, thanks again for checking out this episode with Willie. A couple quick things. If you are new to the mortgage business and you want to be able to do what Willie did, which is create referral partners from realtors, even if you've never met them before, go to rookie2rockstar.ca. It is the only place I do that training. Now I've done that training in the past, a couple other places, but if you want to learn how to do that, you can only get access to it through that rookie2rockstar.ca program. And in this upcoming segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about tips on being successful with social media.
Hey, Tom, welcome back to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about social media and some tips you have in terms of being more successful, effective with social media. And personally, I've actually think that social media is becoming a bigger thing. I know it's been for a long time, but I'm really keen on TikTok lately. So you'll okay. notice if you hear me talking, I think it's eating everybody else's lunch in terms of user growth and engagement. And if you look at the content that's on Instagram and Facebook, that's very engaging. It's either TikTok videos or they look like TikTok videos. Right. So Facebook's even recognizing, wait over. a second, yeah. <laughs> this is how people want to interact. And I joke that TikTok's like the crack cocaine to social media. It's like, you want to waste three hours, turn that on. You'd be like, where did the time go? It's like, what it's, happened? Yeah. It's terrible, terribly addictive. Okay. So, but let's jump into some advice we have for people that are yeah. thinking about wanting to engage or use social media more. Yeah, and I think the reason I want to talk a little bit about this is because I think it's becoming a bigger part of, you know, CRM, customer relationship management. It's becoming a much bigger part of the customer interactions, right? Before, you know, 10 years ago, it was all email, text coming along, and I think social media is a growing segment. It's just going to continue to grow with the platforms like you mentioned. And, you know, we have our own opinions, but I think more than anything, we have some great clients that are doing some really awesome stuff on social media. So absolutely wanted to share a couple of those. And I think to get just right into it here, we talked about it as it relates to emails a couple of weeks ago, but I think with social media, it's the same idea of how important, you know, videos are. And you talked about TikTok and how, you know, that's coming along and they're completely video based, right? And I think that just speaks to kind of the trend, what people want to consume. And so absolutely recommend to anybody who's looking to go out there is to use video, of course, but then also kind of be smart about how you do that. And one of the big tips I usually give in that sense is to use subtitles. And Mm -hmm. some people kind of look at me funny when I say that or roll their eyes. But what I say, and I heard this someone, it really stuck to me, is that something like 70, 80% of the time when you're on social media, you either don't want to or you can't listen to audio. Because you're at work, you can't have the audio on. (laughs) You're at work. Yeah. You're you're like, I don't want people to know that I'm listening to like cat videos or something. So, yes. Or if it is for me, I'm sitting next to my partner and she's watching something else and I don't want to disturb her. Right. So, yeah, audio is. Although it seems like a big part of the experience, a lot of times we can't partake in that. And so being able to be smart about putting some subtitles in so you can still have that entertaining video, people can still understand what's going on, even if, you know, audio is not an option there. Yeah. And on that note, Loom automatically does subtitles. So does YouTube. If you really want to get more sophisticated, there's a program called otter.ai, which I've used in the past. You upload Mm -hmm. a video or a Zoom call and it'll transcribe the entire thing. It's not perfect. You can go back and clean it up. But you're right, you do need to have subtitles because I can't tell you how many videos I've just read and then didn't actually turn on tons. And if you pay attention to your own behavior as a way to determine, is this something I should do, especially with social media, if you're finding yourself doing it, your clients are doing the same thing. So then you got to ask, how do I become the creator, not the consumer? Like I'm always, when it comes to social media, I want to be the creator, not the consumer. It's like kind of like you want yeah, to be the drug dealer, be, not the guy. Dealer, yeah, that's right. Not, not the person doing <laughs> not the, the crackhead so, on the corner. Not the crackhead, yeah. like literally. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be, you got to be selling the crack. Yeah. Sorry for offending anybody, but uh, sure. any case, yeah. we're joking. But basically, think about that when it comes to social media: be the creator, not the consumer. Mm-hmm. You can consume yeah. enough just to get a feel for the environment, but be careful about just getting sucked into consumption because it's non-productive time. So Sorry, Scott, one last thing on that one. I'll say quickly too, this is what we do. Subtitles, another great resource, just going to something like Fiverr, Freelancer. There's a lot of international talent that is quite affordable and can kind of help you with those subtitles. So check that out as well. Number two, you're asking about, I think, you know, it's a theme 
a higher level theme and it's very hard to do, but it's just about being consistent, right? It's this idea. I think it's absolutely true with a lot of things, but social media, especially as it relates to the algorithms and just your habits is that for something like, I would say nine months, you're not going to see a lot of results, right? It's not really going to kind of take off the way you want it. And then on month 10, it's just going to be an explosion, right? It's just right. going to be all that kind of hard work builds up and then it's going to hit. You're going to not even know what to do with that much demand. And people are going to be saying, hey, how did you do it? But they didn't see the nine months leading up to it. And so if to really differentiate, I think, on social media, that's probably the number one thing because everyone thinks it's a great idea. Everyone does one, two, three posts. But if it's something you can do every week for nine months, you're going to separate yourself from the pack, from the competition, and it's really going to pay dividends in the long run. Right. And like they always say, content is king. Everybody wants to create content. And I heard somebody tell me recently, consistency is queen. Yeah, so content I is like king, it. Yeah. Consistency is queen. And you've got to put in the work. And the other thing that happens is you actually get better. So like the first video that you put out, you're probably gonna be like, oh, you're going to maybe like, that's terrible. And then over time, you get better at it. Like I jumped into TikTok recently. And so I'm doing mm. these videos and I'm like, I point my finger, hey, follow me on TikTok. I'm actually pointing at the wrong corner. Pointing the wrong way, yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I'm like, just leave it. I don't care. Like it's going to be one of the thousands of videos that I'm going to produce. So it doesn't matter. If it's the only thing I ever produced, you'd be like, oh, that kind of is kind of a dead. Mm-hmm. But if you look back at Gary Vaynerchuk, who's you know arguably one of the most Love influential yeah, people that really uses like video him. for a long time, his yeah. very first Wine Library TV videos are pretty We're pretty janky. Hack. Yeah, but he just kept at it and he's got a knack for it. But even if you didn't have a knack, keeping at it is consistency is mm-hmm. going to make you better. So yeah, and I don't know what the enemy of the queen is in the analogy. But to your point, I think it's perfection is the enemy of consistency, right? So yeah. you want to have good content. Absolutely. And that's important. But, you know, if you are nitpicking and you're refilming the video to make sure you're pointing the right way, you're just going to get swamped out and it's not going to be there so the consistency is queen and the enemy of the queen is you know being a perfectionist Perfectionist, yeah i always say progress over perfection and just get it going and learn as you go and don't worry if you pointed at the wrong corner when you said follow me if anything (laughs) bothers anybody they'll get over it and then i just laugh oh my god it's so funny i'm like literally hey follow me like what is he doing (laughs) that's the exit sign right yeah Yeah, he's following me out (laughs) the door like i don't get this man yeah okay so first is video second is consistency what would be the third thing you'd say is important for people to consider when it comes to social media yeah and i think honestly it just kind of all builds on what we've talked about already as it relates to content maybe the content piece being king okay how do i make this content and honestly it sounds a bit corny but just kind of showing your personality again i think we talked about this when we talked about video marketing but you know the competition i think really is the banks and you know what kind of personality can they show they have so many layers of approval and such a big corporate structure that it's difficult to show that but you as a broker, it's yourself. You can really kind of differentiate on social media that might seem like there's a lot of noise, but just being yourself, kind of providing genuine value like you do for your clients anyways, and having that as your content. And it's going to be, I think, great to differentiate yourself, but also great in terms of just kind of building that content when you don't really have to think too hard about it. Just just kind of provide value like you do anyways to your clients. Right. Remember the movie Jumanji? I think oh, yeah. it's a great movie. So yeah. the girl's like, be aggressive, puts her hand in the center, like the cheer. Yeah. For this, it's be authentic. It's like, be authentic. Totally. And so Love the it. key is the more you are yourself, you know, warts and all, as they say, point in the wrong direction, doesn't matter. And you're going to attract the people that are going to be the people you want to work with. Your vibe attracts your tribe. And so I think it's important that you be authentic because when you're trying to put on a face or pretend, people can see it. They're going to see that you're awkward and then they're going to feel awkward. Just drop all that nonsense and don't, don't, uh, I think that's a really good point. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, long-term when you think about, okay, what's the end game here? Okay, eventually I want to get clients. To your point, what kind of clients do I want to attract and, and work with? It's the people who know my personality and, and agree with it. And maybe yeah. there will be some people out there that see your personality and don't get along with that. And that's okay, right? Because yeah. of those people that you want to be working with in the first place, probably not. So absolutely, yeah, kind of be authentic. Yeah. Be authentic. We yeah, can create a whole right. thing. Yeah. I'll do something on TikTok for that. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So be authentic. Yeah. So, okay. Let's wrap up this up. So somebody listening to this, thinking about social media, maybe just wrap up kind of the key points for them to take away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say video first, start there, you know, looking at platforms like TikTok, you know, they use video and they're really kind of taking over. So starting there using subtitles, kind of great tools or freelancers you can use to get there, get to the next point to really kind of get to the growth that you're wanting to get there. It's about consistency, you know, consistency being the queen of the equation and the enemy of that being a perfectionist. And then finally, as it relates to your content, content being king, being authentic, that's going to help you be able to build stuff quickly, but also attract the right type of people you want to work with. Right. Absolutely. And so if you're listening to this, Tom's got an amazing company, Blue Mortgage, Blue with no E. And go check them out. And like, as we talked about the consistency with their platform that plays nice with all of the submission platforms, you can build in that consistency. You can embed video. You can use some of the social media stuff. If you create the social media, a great thing to do is actually use your database and push people to your social media, right? Mm -hmm. Go check out this one I did. And then it's sort of like, oh, wow, it's a relevant way to do it. If you did it in the right way, there's a way to do that. So I think that's a really good idea. I think it's fantastic, Tom. Thanks for chatting with me, brother. And if you're listening, check out bluemortgage.ca and we'll be talking again soon. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening. And Tom, thanks for your tips on being successful on social media. If you're listening to this, a couple of quick things. First, go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set up a free power search account and you can keyword search every single episode we've ever had and done. Thanks again to Willie and Tom for chatting with me today. And I hope to see you guys on the next episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.